Top 14, the finest football multimedia page out there. Follow us on the socials and don't forget to like and subscribe. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to the Top 40s podcast. It's Lucas Ross, editor and producer, and Tom Ward, founder of this multimedia empire, back at it again for another weekly instalment of the pod. It is tinged with a bit of sadness, though, as we must report that this is our penultimate episode of the season, as next week we will have our final episode of the season. The link to the voting is on Instagram now and will be reposted several times between now and when we go to record the episode TBC. Tomo, good evening. It's been a hell of a ride recording this pod, hasn't it? Yeah, and to be fair, we'll probably get some content out um, in pre-season, a million percent, maybe more the interview style. Um, I've been asking about trying to get a couple couple of guests on and hopefully we can line some guests up for some interviews in pre-season. But yeah, been a hell of an end to the season, to be fair, and only, what, two more games left this season across the top four tiers, and that's obviously both playoff finals. Um, I'm already excited for pre-season. I'm already excited for the start of next season, in fairness. I mean, from a championship fan's perspective, I already miss club football desperately and I just want it back. It's a pity I'm missing the first week of the season because I'm in America, but I'm back for the second week of the season, so that would be class. So today, given that at the time of recording, the Premier League had finished yesterday, this will be more of a broadened focus towards the Premier League. And just what has happened in the top flight of English football yesterday, again, at the time of recording. We are going to start off proceedings at the Brentford Community Stadium as Jack Harrison's 94th minute winner was enough to keep Leeds up. Now, Leeds, we've all known that they obviously gave Marcelo Bielsa his P45 at the back end of February. They've brought in Jesse Marsh and... He steadied the ship somewhat. They had a little bit of a new manager bounce. They started to lose quite a lot of games at the wrong time. But I think most crucially from a Leeds point of view, they've won this game to keep them up. Tomo, it's been a bit of a mm, season for Leeds. What do you think has gone wrong at Elland Road and why? Well, I think the overall feeling's got to be satisfaction for, I mean... Those Leeds fans, what a day they must have had at Brentford to beat them. They didn't play at the best. And in fairness, Brentford were down to nine men at one stage. They had a man off injured. I think they'd already made all the subs. And um, yeah, and I think they had obviously Sergi Canos sent off the two yellow cards in about two minutes as well, which swung the game massively in their favour. They got the job done, though. And that's what's important. I think when we speak about Leeds this season obviously Leeds are a massive club massive presence on social media so there's so many opinions flying about that you see about what's gone wrong whether they should have sacked Bielsa whether they shouldn't and I think when we flash back to that sort of culmination of their season in my opinion which was the the sacking of Bielsa that was that was their big decision to make and they obviously decided to sack him and in fairness, since then, they haven't been massively improved, but I think the way it was heading under Bielsa, it was heading in a poor, really poor direction and a chaotic direction as well. I mean, they'd lost a lot of games by quite a few goals and they just couldn't stop conceding. And that was their issue. Um, I think Jesse Marsh has come in. He's come in with an injury-depleted squad. There's, again, so much to talk about there, whether it was Bielsa's decision not to sign more players, whether it was the board that didn't want to invest. what 
whatever it was, they've obviously been unlucky with injuries, but their squad's not deep enough. Their squad's not strong enough. Um, you know, you look over at their bench for 95% of the games and there's three or four players on there that, you know, no offence to them, they'll probably have good futures in the game, but I'm not sure we'd get into many top half championship teams, let alone Premier League clubs. So, yeah, there's been a lot of issues at Leeds this season, but I think they'll be very glad to get the job done. And I think they've probably got one or two key players to thank for that. Obviously, Rafinha is one of them who scored the penalty. And Jack Harrison's probably another who's had a very impressive season as well, considering how poor Leeds have been. I think overall, Leeds can count themselves lucky that they stayed up and be thankful that, especially after they failed to hit the 40-point mark. Because in the Premier League, if you manage to get 40 points in a season, nine seasons out of 10, you're more or less safe. Um, Leeds managed a measly 38, so a point a game in a nutshell. And they had to thank, they managed to be three sides who were worse than them over the course of the season because it was, it was just really close up until the final day of the season. And one stat I can bring you is that going into the final day of the season, there was no position in the league which was mathematically decided for the first time in Premier League history, which is a pretty mental statistic because... Obviously, the biggest gap between positions was 18 points. That was between second and third. But champions undecided by the final day of the season. Top four undecided. Relegation, for the most part, it was decided. There was still that one spot which was to play for, which just shows one open season it has been. And the fact that, that Liverpool was so far behind Man City in January and they've taken their battle to the final day it just goes to show that Liverpool cannot be um, unfazed and how and, and it just shows that Man City have got too much money. And speaking of Man City, we're going to go there next as they score three goals in five minutes to overcome Aston Villa, who would roared into a surprise 2-0 lead over the eventual champions with goals from Matty Cash and Philip Coutinho putting them two goals ahead. Have a, a double from Ilkay Gundogan and a goal from Rodri as well was enough to see Man City over the line and see them to their fourth title in five years. Tomo, I think we could all safely say that Man City have bought success, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, we try and be unbiased on this podcast, but I can't lie, I was pretty gutted when Man City were came back there. It's a hell of a moment for their supporters. And in fairness, there is a lot of, probably diehard Manchester City supporters who supported them in the era of Mick Summerby and players like that when they were in the first division and and things like that. But there is also a hell of a lot of new fans that they wouldn't have attracted and they go for success, unfortunately. But I think you mentioned something there that obviously the biggest gap was 18 points. I think that was between second and third. What you've got to realise is Liverpool have... 92 points they've got this season they've had in my opinion and listen you may want to call it biased or whatever but in my book if Liverpool win the Champions League this season it's probably the best season from an English football club in at least the last 50 years I think it tops Man United's treble in 99 I think it, it beats any other season and that's just because how competitive they've been in everything I mean They've played every possible game this year. 
And to be that good of a team and still not beat this Man City team, I think it, it shows that something needs to be done, unfortunately. You know, there's all this talk about sports washing and what Man City are doing and whether it's legally fair. Let's be honest, it probably isn't. We all know that there's something very dirty about that money and it's the same with Newcastle. There's definitely some shady things that happen. Same with PSG, but unfortunately, for some reason, they just don't want to police this. And the Premier League is just such a cash cow that clubs can get away with the the piss poor financial fair play rules and you know carry on spending these abhorrent amounts of money every season. Um, bit of a rant, but. I mean, it's a great performance from Man City, but the, again, the hero of the day is Ilkay Gundogan, a player who's been told that he can leave the club. Um, that's how much money they've got. That's how much resources they've got. I think it's a worry for the Premier League. You know, four of the last five have, have been Man City's titles and for Liverpool to be that good and, and come up short, it's not very good for the competitiveness of the league because I don't think you're going to get Liverpool at the same level next season. And I don't think there's any other sides that, are going to be able to compete with Man City for a long time. Yeah, I think it just goes to show that how on God's green planet can you lose two matches all season and not win the league? We had the same thing in 1819, where Liverpool only lost one match all season, just one match, and they didn't win the league because of Man City effectively buying the title. And obviously we saw that 1920, obviously Liverpool had that fairy tale. It it tailed off, but that's because they were on the beach. They'd already been crowned champions by that point. And I think I think next season it's it's four out of five for Man City now. If Man City do make it five out of six, that'll be three in a row. Then I think, as you said, come and get a bit of a cash come using your word. I'm quoting you here more or less, but I can 110% see where you're coming from because. Man City, how, how, how they can be doing this and not be breaching financial fair play. The fact that they can throw 50 million plus at anything with a working pulse is just scary. Obviously, with, with us being massive QPR fans, we'll take us for an example. We threw ridiculous amounts of money, anyone with a working pulse, for three, four years. And we, we paid the price. We had to pay one of the biggest fines in footballing history. Man City... They haven't had to pay a single FFP fine yet, I believe. They nearly got banned from the Champions League, but they probably used their money to get the ban overturned. Rant over, bit of bias, I know, but I just feel like someone had to say it. Moving on now, we are going to move to where the heartbreak of the day was at Anfield, as the late rally from Liverpool is enough to overcome Wolves by three goals to one. And oh, it must be heartbreaking for Liverpool, Tomo. It must be heartbreaking. Well, we've just said there, it's, it's deja vu from eighteen nineteen, where they've been, as I've just said, one of the best sides in English football history for me this year, and they've still not managed to win the league. But it's incredible, really. As for the game itself, I, I thought Liverpool weren't great, if I'm totally honest. Obviously, the nerves are going to play a part, but the goal that Wolves score it is a literal Sunday league goal. It's a, it's a long ball from the keeper, and Canate, who's been rock solid, to be fair, for Liverpool this season, he just almost completely misjudges the ball and Wolves punish that and they won the look. But Liverpool played well for a spell in the first half and then once Man City had gone uh, ahead in the game, I think that sort of lack of pressure filtered onto the players and it actually made them play better. Um, and they scored two to win the game. 
as I say, it would have been devastating for Liverpool because at one stage, with about sort of 15 minutes to go, it was looking like Liverpool could be held and, and Man City lose, which that would have been the the real confidence and devastating blow for the Reds. But in my book, they've deserved to win the league this year, but you don't get what you deserve always. And fair play to Wolves. They held out well with Liverpool for about 80 minutes of the game. And it was just that goal from Salah that got Liverpool the three points. But as for them, the rest of this season, obviously there's the Champions League final to come, which is a massive game. They'll hope to go in with that with fit players because Thiago limped off, which doesn't look like a good sign for them with Fabinho already being on the treatment table. If they lose two of their three best midfielders, then I think Real Madrid will probably go into that as favourites, but they'll be hoping to win that. And then they will go again next season. Jurgen Klopp, he's a relentless manager. He's an excellent manager. And it's just, they're the side that are stopping, not a joke, but a bit of an embarrassment, really. It would, it would be a terrible league if it wasn't for Liverpool and You've got to thank them for that this season. Yeah, I think it goes without saying that Liverpool, they've been relentless all season long, but it just it just hasn't been for them, I'm afraid. I think it's just a matter of they've just been outclassed by a Man City side who has been established out. But now we are going to move on from the money land to a side who, uh, to, no, to where there was a, a bit of an upset, if you like, and it was heartbreak for West Ham as, Another very, very good season and Mark Noble's farewell ended in defeat as Brighton came from behind to overcome the Hammers by three goals to one with goals from Joel Beltman, Pascal Gross and Danny Welbeck. Tomo, what, what do you have to say about West Ham inevitably bottling Europa League this season? Well, again, I think everyone probably wanted West Ham to get in the Europa League and they were one nil up at one stage. Man United bottled it but they somehow fell into it sucking their own thumb United didn't they um it's sad really because I think Moyes has done an excellent job this season but when you've got a squad that and this is no disrespect to West Ham isn't used to that sort of level of pressure and challenging I think when it's come to the back end of this season they've sort of wet the bed a little bit a few of those players now don't get me wrong I, I really like Antonio I think he works hard I think Players like Pablo Fornals, Manuel Lanzini, obviously Declan Rice is a top player and that this doesn't apply to him. But players like Craig Dawson, Aaron Cresswell, Lucas Fabianski, they're good players, but they're not the likes, the type of players that have had to deal with these sort of situations in their career before. Um, and so I think when it's gone to the Europe, the European run, which they've done so well in handling that with not the biggest of squads as well. We've got to remember that. And they've had a, a fair few injuries at centre-half, especially this season. Um, I think Moyes, though, reinforcements in the summer is what's needed. And I think they need to just bulk out that squad a little bit more because it has shown at times that losing games like this to Brighton where falling away, I just think they've run out of steam a little bit this season, West Ham. Yeah, I think it is pretty unfortunate from West Ham point of view. To see what was another very, very good season tail off at the end and lead to Europa Conference League, which is still good. But we, we all know that West Ham are, are, are worth more. And obviously, speaking of Europe, it was a battle between two sides in North London for that fourth place. And Arsenal finished on everyone's favourite number of points with 69 and in fifth place. And... Despite a resounding 5-1 victory against Everton, it was Spurs who came out on top as they absolutely molested Norwich by five goals to nil. 
as a break as braces from Dejan Kulusevski and Human Son, topped off with a goal from Harry Kane, were enough to see Spurs into top four. Tomo, it's been a miserable, miserable season from a Norwich perspective. What has gone wrong at Carrow Road? What's gone right? I mean, they've pretty much got everything wrong this season. Their recruitment's been pretty much horrendous bar. I'd say Matthias Norman's been a decent signing and Rashika has shown glimpses, but I'm 95% sure he'll be away in the summer. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at the signings of likes of Ozan Kabak, who was injured but really poor when he played. Billy Gilmore, who has had a, been a really disappointing this season. Sargent, who, again, bar one game against Watford, has been abhorrent. Um, and... You know, I just think they've just, again, it's the same things again for Norwich. And it's just been a horrendous season. They've just not, they're not good enough. They can't compete with the Premier League. And if they do go up again next season, which it is likely because they're a good championship side, um, they'll have to bite the bullet and, and invest at least in some quality, proven quality players. Because all the signings they seem to make are all, players from Europe, which when they sign, you think, oh, that's not a bad signing. That's a coup for Norwich, that. And then they just don't seem to fit in or can't seem to string any sort of successful team together. Again, when it talks about next season, when it comes to next season, I think Dean Smith's a good manager. I, I don't think he's a bad manager at all, especially for championship level. I think he'll be one of the top managers in the championship. And that makes you think that they will challenge up there because they're always good. You know, you look at a lot of that, them players in the squad, the likes of Tim Krul, Timu Pukki, Max Ahrens, Kieran Dowell. All of those are, are players. They'll probably have Cantwell back as well. All of those are players who are going to do well in the championship next season, um, but just, again, can't step up. And I think it's it's a real shame if you're a Norwich fan because it's another disappointing Premier League season. But as for the Spurs side of things, I think they were relentless in this game. They came into it under a lot of pressure. You know, a lot of people would think it would be Spursy to to bottle it and lose. But fair play to them. They, they put Norwich to the sword truly here. And I think they... They've really improved under Antonio Conte as a manager. Yeah, and obviously you've got to tip your flat caps to Spurs because they've come a long old way under Conte. And who knows where they'll go next season? Obviously, Human Son shared the golden boot with Mohamed Salah, and Salah got the Playmaker Award as well for that matter. But I think that it starts off pretty disappointingly for Spurs as Nuno has inevitably given his P45. I think they should never really sack Pochettino. I think that has led to the chain reaction of unfortunate events. Conte's come in and steadied the ship and he's done he's done well while he's been here. But I think had they appointed Conte after sacking Mourinho, then I reckon that they could well have got top three or even more this season. But I think Kulusevski, it goes without saying, he's been absolutely world-class for Spurs since coming in. And no wonder why they want to make the loan permanent. He has been... Outstanding. And again, I'll tip my flat cap to him because he's been incredible, as I said. I don't think I can say it enough to be quite blunt with you. But you you know the vibes. And obviously, human song, we all know him. He's been doing so, so well for so many years now. 325 appearances, 131 goals in that time as well, since the summer of 2015 when he came in. And I think he's definitely got to go down as a Spurs legend, it goes without saying. 
Now we are going to move on to Turf Moor, where it ended in heartbreak for a Burnley side who have been pretty substandard all season, haven't they, Tomo? Yeah, I think, again, Burnley are a club in a little bit of problems at the moment, just similar to Norwich. They've been in the Premier League under Sean Dyche for a long, long time. I think it's five years now that they've been in the Premier League, Burnley. And obviously, I think everyone's jaws collectively dropped when he was given the sack. And Mike Jackson, in fairness to him, has done well. You can't say that their results have gone you know, out the window. They've actually picked up quite a few points. And in this game against Newcastle, on another day, they would have won the game. They had one off the line and Veghorst missed a really good chance. Um, you know, they've had a lot of games like that where they just haven't been able to put their chances away. But on the same note, how many times has Nick Pope bailed them out? And I'm 99% sure he won't be there next season. Um, you know, you look at Sam Johnston, who when West Brom went down, everyone thought he'll go straight away. He'll be the first one out the exit door. And how his stocks dropped now because he stayed at West Brom, didn't have a great season, didn't really perform. And all of a sudden now, would he really get into a Premier League team? Whereas I remember when, when West Brom went down, people were almost saying he'll get into sort of the Arsenal team. I remember him being discussed similar with, to Aaron Ramsdale, you know. Um, so he'll be gone. I think Tarkovsky will go. I think Corne will go. I think McNeil will probably try and force his way out. And then the amount of players that are out of contract, you know, so many ageing players in that team, the likes of Bardsley, Loughton, Vidra, Rodriguez, me, Westwood, all players who are out of contract who will be leaving the club. So it's a massive, massive rebuild at Burnley. And again, they don't have that finance that the likes of Fulham have to replace those players. And I think there's a bit of an undertone of uh, moans and groans at the ownership as well, because I think there's something going on a bit dodgy there. So, again, hard one for Burnley. Whoever they appoint next is going to be a massive appointment. I've, I've seen Vincent Company's name being thrown into the ring, so that would be a gamble. Um, for me, they've got to get someone proven. They've got to get someone who knows how to get results and that's why it makes it even more baffling that they sacked a manager that is literally the dictionary definition of that in Sean Dice. so massive summer for Burnley and I think they need to start getting those fans back on side because they are not happy I think the sacking Sean Dice, which came out of nothing really took everyone by surprise and Michael Jackson's coming the football manager not the singer God rest his soul he's coming and <laughs> I see Tomo there doing Michael Jackson. He's come in and he's and he's done a job. He's done a good job. He's he got manager of the month for April. And obviously May it sort of starts to tail away a bit. But I, I have to say, company, he'd be good. Um I can see them appointing some British God save the Queen manager like Sam Allardyce. I think he'd be a very Burnley appointment, I must say. Think Sam Allardyce would be quite a burn the appointment. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they make the appointment of Michael Jackson permanent. But I reckon that they need to keep hold to as many players as they can because, as you said, players are aging. Nick Pope, 30 years old. Jack Cork, 32. Ashley Barnes, also 32. Aaron Lennon, 35. Phil Bardsley, 36. Just to name a few. They need to get their act together. And fast because their best players will almost certainly be leaving. Nick Pope, nine out of ten chance he's gone. Same goes with Dwight McNeil. Maxwell Cornet will try and force his way out, or 
got go on loan with with an obligation to make it permanent if Burnley don't get promoted or something along those lines. But I think Vekost, it'll be interesting to see what he does, whether he stays and tears up the championship or whether he jumps ship. He's only been at Burnley half a season. It, it will definitely be interesting to see what happens to, at Turf Moor, to say the least. Um, we are now going to... I think just quickly, can I, I just touch on Vekost there because I... I didn't really say something that that was in my mind last night. I was I was watching the game last night. I thought he could be a player. He looks like a confidence player. Um, now he's not a he's not. Don't get me wrong. He's not been poor at Burnley at all. He's actually put himself about and been very good at times. But he's not been a clinical finisher. And I think he could benefit massively from coming down to the Championship. Maybe getting 25, 30 goals and and then being you know obviously. A much better player for that. Yeah, I think it'd definitely be interesting to see a player of Veikost's calibre coming down into the championship, get get some goals, and obviously sell him if they don't get promoted. If they get promoted, keep him or do everything they can to keep him. But he'll be thirty years old next season. Again, aging player. We we sort of getting the theme with Burnley. They have quite an old squad who's aging quite quickly. But yeah, I think I think that's enough said about the Premier League. Obviously, if we didn't ch- touch on your side, then we do apologise for that. But we only have so much time to get through so many sides. You're listening to the Top Four Tiers podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Now to the occurrence of Saturday afternoon. It was, of course, the League One playoff final between Sunderland and Wickham Wanderers. Obviously, Sunderland ran out. As 2-0 victors, they won and they are promoted to the Championship, which obviously, in mine and Tom's opinion, is the best league in the world. So, Sunderland, welcome to the 22-23 Championship party. It's a pleasure to have you back up and to have you along. I would have liked to see Wickham get promoted because on a more personal note, they are my local side. So, it would be nice to have a nice, easy away day and one of my other QPR mates can actually walk to Wickham's ground from his house in 15 or so minutes. Tomo, I, I'm going to jump to the conclusion you watched the game on Saturday. I couldn't watch it because I was at work. But how do you think the game went? And do you think on a balance it was fair that Sunderland ran out victors? Well, I actually didn't watch the game. I was at a, a race meeting up in Edinburgh, um, losing more money, unfortunately. But, you know, that's what the way life goes. And I thought I was with a couple of Sunderland mates, with a couple of Newcastle mates. So there was a ban- plenty of banter flying about, plenty of... Oh, Wickham have scored and they haven't, but Sunderland ran out 2-0 winners. I have watched the full 90 minutes back, actually, when I got home. Uh, just thought I'd watch the game back and Sunderland were a cut above. I think Wickham have been brilliant all season. They've had a great season, but they relied on Sunderland to not turn up and Wickham to have a, a brilliant performance for them to win this game. And I, I think the sea of red and white has just spurred them on, to be fair. Alex Neal, it's now three promotions he's won. One with Hamilton Academical up in Scotland, one with obviously Norwich and one with Sunderland now. So he's almost a playoff master and he's really done brilliantly to get turn this team around. I think when you looked at the graph that Sunderland were heading on when Lee Johnson was sacked, don't get me wrong, there was quite a lot of controversy about the, the sacking of Johnson, but especially it, it was even worse after, because I think the couple of games after they lost to like Doncaster and, and maybe Drew with Crew, which were embarrassing results at the time. So for him to turn that around, it's been brilliant. He's made some signings. Jack 
Clark was outstanding again in the game. He's been a player that's very talented, but just struggled to find his feet really recently. And at Sunderland, he has. And it's similar with Patrick Roberts. He's He's been another highly talented player who hasn't really managed to get a run of games. And he's been brilliant for Sunderland since he's joined as well. Um, Ross Stewart, again, missed a couple of chances, but took his goal absolutely brilliantly. I don't know if you've seen the first goal, but it was... It was a mistake from the goalkeeper, Stockdale, who has been amazing all season. So you wouldn't have expected it if you're a Wickham fan. But that's a, that's the playoff final for you. And I think it's it's good to see Sunderland back in the Championship. They've had a long, long spell in, I think, four years in League One. We've seen a lot of big clubs down in League One that haven't gone straight back up when, when it was expected. Sheffield Wednesday, case in point now. Ipswich, another team that are down there. We've just had Sunderland, obviously, Forest, Leeds, both also spent more than one season in League One. So it isn't an easy league to get out of at all. But I think now Sunderland are out of it, they'll certainly be looking ahead for next season. And I reckon they'll probably be a mid-table finish for them next season and then a playoff push the year after. I think from a Sunderland point of view, it was very to see. I did manage to watch the highlights and does go out saying the first goal Stockdale is fired straight out and he should be doing a lot better rather than just flapping at it because we all know he, he's been classed this season as as you said it's, it's a mistake that least of all Wickham fans would be expecting a custodian with such experience to make and I think it's taken them aback a little bit and they have gone on to lose the game they're just outclassed by Sunderland on the day I reckon who had better individual quality at their fingertips obviously with the likes of Adam Pritchard, Ross Stewart, um, Patrick Roberts on his day is a very very good player among others obviously can't be bothered to name them all off my hands but they have they have some very very talented players and have potential to do bits in the championship next season for example they could definitely be lower mid table there's no reason why they can't do that I think from a Sunderland perspective, it's good to see a side so big back in the championship. Moving on now, we're just going to briefly touch on the playoffs across the other two leagues. Um, starting off with the championship, where Nottingham Forest have come out on top across two legs over Sheffield United. And I think we can say that despite a Sheffield United comeback in the second half and regulation time in the second leg, that I think... It's, the, it's definitely the correct outcome, isn't it, Tomo? Well, over the course of the season, probably yes. But I would argue over the course of that game, Sheffield United would count themselves unlucky. Bree Samba made an unbelievable save with about three or four minutes left of extra time. And I think that gave him the confidence for those penalties. And we've all seen the infamous water bottle with the sides. I mean, the fact that he stayed down the middle and made that save from Hurrahan was, was absolutely brilliant. Um what a game and what an advert for championship football. Uh, and I think the winner, I think you said the winner of that game will win the playoffs. I would probably side with you in on that one, to be fair. But again, Huddersfield won their last game at, at Wembley. Everyone thought that Reading would beat them and Huddersfield won that on penalties. So you never know. It's a toss of a coin, really, a playoff final. And again, a really intriguing game that I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. As for League Two, we've obviously seen Another game go to penalties, which was Swindon v Port Vale, where unfortunately Harry McCurdy did something that was a lot of League Two fans will probably say was a lot of karma when he blasted the ball into 
well, Kevin Ellison's hands, if, if you've seen the TikTok, then you'll know it was a, a brilliant bit of shithousery from Ellison, to be fair. But, yeah, he, he absolutely smashed that penalty over. And from that moment on, Port Vale came back and won it. And a well, few unsurried scenes, obviously, that's something that we probably won't talk about. But, again, could be something we discuss in pre-season, the emergence of all these pitch invasions and players being almost assaulted, which we saw... In when, with Billy Sharp, which were just disgusting scenes from that Forest fan, and he's rightly been imprisoned for it. But yeah, League Two final, it's going to be Port Vale v Mansfield. Obviously, Mansfield beat um, Northampton in a, in a scrappy two-legged affair. To be fair, and that's one of those games. Both teams aren't really footballing sides. Like no offense to any Stags or Vale fans listening, but they're very much built from a solid defense and strikers who will take their chances and I think that's going to make it a fairly scrappy final and it could go either way I would edge towards Mansfield and yeah as for the championship I'd edge towards Forest but Huddersfield have a chance yeah I'd say that obviously based on the course of the season and based on some of the quality in their sides I'd say that Forest will be getting promoted to the Premier League and at the moment obviously Port Vale versus Mansfield that TikTok was world-class from that man, Kevin Ellison, and definitely got to say, <laughs> it was, what Mob said, it was just a bit too high, but he blasted it into Rosette and, in, and then into Kevin Ellison's hands, which was incredible from the Newport wide man. And it does go without saying that, that he's, he's received his lion's share of online abuse. But speaking of what you said about all the pitch invasions, it's just apparent. There's no need for it. And action was rightfully taken. The fan was, was hit with a lifetime ban and a prison sentence within 48 hours, which is what we like to see with these incidents being clamped on and trying to be eradicated from the otherwise beautiful game. But I think I'm going to be very excited for the playoffs on Saturday and Sunday. And I can't wait to see who's who's going to be in the League One party next season in the Premier League party. Anyway, before we round off, I'm going to ask you a random footballing question which you've had no clue about, just like we did last week. Nice. It's going to, it'll probably, will it follow the top four theme? I'm not 100% sure yet. But over the course of the playoffs and the last weekend of the Premier League season, what have been the top four games played in that time frame and why right well I've got to say even though I didn't watch it because I was watching the Liverpool game that Man City Villa game has got to be up there I mean fair play to Man City as we've said wasn't the outcome we were hoping for but cracking result for them and a cracking game overall um really enjoyed that second leg of the playoffs between Forest and Sheffield United really enjoyed the first leg I think both of those games have got to go on that list for me. Both absolutely superb games. And then I'm going to say, you know what? It's difficult because, again, all those Premier League games were played at once, so it's quite hard to watch them all. But I think Everton 3, Palace 2, which which confirmed Everton's survival, was a hell of a turnaround from them and a great, great game and great result for the Toffees and Lampard. So I'm going to go with that. Fair play, fair play. I can see where you're coming from across, across all those games and obviously... Everton have been really, really poor this season. I still don't get why they thought it was okay to pitch invade when when the club of Everton's size nearly ended up in the championship this season. Anyway, that rounds off this week's instalment of the Top 4 Tiers podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure and there will be a link in the Instagram promotional story 
please ensure that you do the survey for our end of season podcast, which will be dropping some point next week. A date and time will be TBC. But Tomo, do you have any last words before we round off for this week? Uh, no, just enjoy the playoffs because it'll be good. Yeah, it will be class. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and switch notifications on. And again, please do the survey. We need as many responses as we can get. We're on 151 at the moment. If we can push towards two, 300 by next weekend, then that would be fantastic. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us at Top 4 Tears. You've been listening to Tom Ward, founder of this multimedia empire, and myself, Lucas Ross, editor and producer. Don't forget to like and subscribe.